0: Welcome to the Invictus Church podcast. We're grateful that you've chosen to listen, and we want to invite you to join us each week as we upload new content. Our prayer each week is that those who listen in would not just be stirred or inspired, but also changed. Now, get ready for life change with this week's message from Invictus Church. Welcome, everybody, to week number three of a series called Marked. In this series, we are talking about different marks or evidences that God has left behind, proof of his existence. And today, we're going to talk about one of those marks, and it is the word conviction. We can know God's truth through conviction. If you're taking notes, write that down. We can know God's truth through what? Through conviction. Let me illustrate to you what conviction is by giving you a pop quiz you guys are ready? How many of you hated pop quiz when you were in school? You get one today, but I promise this isn't too difficult. And uh, if you have a conscience, you should be able to answer these questions pretty safely, all right? I'm not gonna give you the answers until the end, but think about your answers. Even This is so easy, it, they're all multiple choice. So all right, if you're having a panic attack, don't panic, uh, it's all good. So here, here's the first question or the first uh, uh, thing to respond to in our quiz. You go to a friend's house for dinner, And when it's time to eat, you head for the bathroom to wash up. But your friend says, skip it. We never wash our hands before eating. Your friend's behavior would probably make you think, A, your own family is weird for washing up before every meal. Or B, your friend's family must keep their hands really clean in between meals. Or C, you'd better not eat the meatloaf. All right. Number two. You arrive on your first day at a new job. Your boss hands you a roll of aluminum foil and whispers, the alien invasion starts at noon tomorrow. Use this to signal the mothership. Her statement prompts you to say to yourself, A, I should get ready for the mothership. Or B, I hope she puts that aluminum foil in the recycling bin when she's done. Or C, I should find a new job, fast. All right, next one. You see a father angrily slap his three-year-old child in the face at the grocery store, and you figure that A, the kid probably deserved it, or B, that dad is training the child to be a UFC fighter, or C, that man should not be allowed near children. Number four, you're on a busy street corner in New York City, and you see a 92-year-old blind lady with a walker. She's getting ready to cross the street. What do you decide to do, A? watch her cross the street because this ought to be entertaining. Or B, push her into oncoming traffic just to speed up the inevitable. Or C, help her cross the street. All right, if you did not answer C for all of those, we need to have a talk. Um, uh, It means there's something really broken with your conscience. We all have a conscience. We have something in us that tells us that there are things in this world that we know... Are right and that we know are wrong, that we know are gross, that we know are bad, that we I mean there are things in our minds and our hearts that we just know without even having to be taught it, right? Now your inner conviction about right and wrong, it's your conscience, and it can reveal truth to you about God. Our conscience, our convictions can reveal truth to us about. God let's review the premise of this series. Does anybody remember what it is? The premise of this series is truth is knowable. It is knowable. You can know the truth. The truth is absolutely knowable. Also, Jesus says in John 8:32, and you will know the what? The truth. the truth. And the truth will set you free. Jesus doesn't say and you will maybe know the truth. You will get a feeling about the truth. You will have an opinion about the truth. He says you will know the truth. The truth is knowable. Many times in life, we are bound by doubt and discouragement difficult things come along hurt hits you while you're down uh life just beats you up bad things happen you lose a job you lose a loved one you get a diagnosis you don't want you've got these problems that come along your spouse treats you unfairly your kids walk away from the faith whatever bad things come in your life many times life is beating us up and we stop and we wonder god where in the heck are you why are you letting this happen what is up have you ever felt alone and wondered, Lord, do you really care about me? Are you even really there? Well, see, that's what this whole series is all about. This series is to remind us that God is there even when we don't feel him, that God is present with us, and that he loves us, that he is real, that he is with us. We need that reassurance, don't we? So in this series, we're talking about five Marks five evidences that God has left behind, proof of his existence, that he is with us, that he loves us, that he knows us, that we are dear to us, and we've talked about uh, creation. We looked at science in week one, Uh, in week two, and we talked about consideration, the fact that God has given us the ability to think and to reason, and that reason will lead us to God. And then this week, we are talking about conviction, how conviction leads us to truth, About God. If you're taking notes, I want you to write down three ways that conviction leads us to God's truth. And the first one is this conviction is proof that we are created beings. Conviction is proof that we are created beings. It's proof that we aren't accidents, that we didn't appear here by random processes, uh, just accidentally happening in the universe. Psalm 24 1 says, The earth is the Lord's. And everything in it, the world and all its people, belong to him. God has put in all of us a moral compass. And it's one of the most difficult to explain things for an atheist. You see, an atheist has to explain a conscience purely on a scientific or evolutionary level. They have to say that at some point, we evolved a conscience. Because guess what a chimpanzee does not have? A conscience. A chimpanzee will bite off your face and not feel bad about it. A chimpanzee can kill its own child and not feel bad about it. So if we evolved from something chimpanzee-like into a human being, at some point we evolved a conscience. Where did that come from? How do you explain it? It's virtually impossible to explain the fact that humans have a conscience and a conviction strictly in evolutionary terms. Absolute moral code makes biblical sense. And it makes sense in a biblical worldview. Remember last week we talked about worldviews. Our worldviews are the way that we view the world. It's the filter through which we interpret everything that happens in the world. And what we talked about last week is that if your worldview does not stack up with reality, it's not true. If your worldview says that 2 plus 2 equals 14, it's not a true worldview. It may be your opinion. It may be what you are absolutely convinced of. But you're still wrong, right? Because two plus two equals what? Four. <laughs> Some of you are like, I get my calculator out, two plus. <laughs> I'm like that with math. I have to stop and think. And, and you know, there are truths that are knowable, and if our worldview leads us to truth that isn't truth, then it's not true. And so if your worldview says that people happened on accident and that consciences came into being on accident, there's very little in actual reality that you can base that opinion on. And therefore, it's just opinion. If your worldview does not align with reality, it isn't true. Well, the biblical worldview that God put conscience in us seems to align with reality, doesn't it? We have a conscience, everybody's got one. Now some people, it's broken, and there you get serial killers and that kind of thing. But those are the exception, not the norm. In people who are not mentally ill, they have a conscience. Where did that come from? The biblical worldview says we are created beings, and God put it there for a reason. And the evidence seems to point that that's true. The biblical worldview seems to align with reality. The question is not about what people believe to be the case, but what is actually the case. This is where we need to understand what worldviews are all about. If you'd missed last week, I encourage you to go online to our website, Invictus.Church, and uh, check out last week's message. You'll learn a lot about what a worldview is. But let's just assume for a minute. Let's shift our worldviews. We're in church. I think it's probably pretty safe to, to, to say that most people in church have a biblical worldview. But let's turn that off for a minute, and let's pretend for a second the Bible's not true and that God does not exist. Where did a universal code of behavior come from? Some people say, well, it comes from the individual. They determine what's right or wrong for them. Well, if that's the case, think about rationally for just a minute how arbitrary that is. If you get to pick what's right for you and wrong for you, and I get to pick what's right for me and wrong for me, then who are you to ever tell me I'm wrong? I can beat you up and steal your TV and say it was right for me, and it's okay. You can't condemn me for it. You can say, that I don't like it, but you can't say I was wrong. We live in a worldview that says, in a world, in a culture that says you can't, um, uh, you can't legislate morality. Well, that's just silly because that's what legislation is. We legislate morality all the time. It's illegal to murder. Why? Because it's immoral. We, we tell people how to behave with our laws all the time. But the question isn't whether or not the government does it or why they do it. It's why is it in us to begin with? How do you explain that? Well, the individual determines it. That is just so arbitrary. If that's your worldview and you say what's right for me is right for you and it may not be right for you, or what's right for me is right for me, but it may not be right for you. If that's your worldview, then you can never denounce Adolf Hitler. Not really. You can say you don't like what he did, but you can't say it was wrong for him to kill six million Jews. So some people say, well, then society determines it. Right is based on what makes the most people happy. And so... The, the, the society determines it. Well, that's still pretty arbitrary when we stop and we think about it. This merely shifts one unjustified opinion from one person to a whole crowd of people. Think about it. Hitler was able to convince the majority that he was right. And so he was elected into power by that majority. Did it make what he did in the middle of the last century right? Right? not by a long shot. You see, without God, to say murder is wrong, that's no different than saying blue is my favorite color. There is no difference. Morality, our consciousness, our conscience is proof, it's evidence that we were created beings. The fact that human beings have an innate moral compass is the mark of a creator. Number two, I want you to write this down. Conviction indicates that truth is not relative. Conviction leads us to God's truth by teaching us that, con- that truth is not relative. We live in a culture that says truth is relative. What's true for you may not be true for somebody else. Like I've said many times in this series, try that on a math test. Try that on any test in school, and your teacher's going to say, no, you fail because the truth to this answer is still true, whether you like it or not, whether your opinion is different or not, you're going to pass or fail the test based on whether or not you know the truth about the answers to those questions, right? Truth is not relative. Of course, there's some people who believe that there's no such thing as truth. It's relative. It's different for each, each person. But what if... Someone else then says, well, that truth, the truth is relative, is not for me. Who's right? I'd like for you to watch a couple of short videos about the truth and reality. <laughs>
1: Welcome to the One Minute minute Apologist.
0: We interview the world's leading
1: apologists to provide credible answers to curious questions. Frank, is truth true for you, but not for me? I always hear that, and I usually say, is that true for everybody? Is true for you, but not for me true for everybody? Because if true for you, but not for me is true for everybody, then true for you and not for me can't be true because it's true for everybody. (laughs) I know that can give you intellectual constipation, but that's because it's self-defeating. It's actually, there's an easier way of illustrating this true for you but not for me, say, sure, go try that with your bank teller. Go to your bank teller one day and say, look, I'd like $100,000 out of my account. The bank teller looks <laughs> your account and says, I'm sorry, sir, you only have $47.16 in your account. That's easy to get the money. Bobby, you simply say, that's true for you but not for me. Give me the hundred grand." Are you going to get the money? No, you're not. If it's true, there's only $47.16 in your account. That's true for all people at all times and all places when referring to your account at that time. It's just true. So saying it's true for you but not for me may sound good. It's the mantra of our culture, but it's self-defeating. It's logically self-defeating, and it just doesn't work. Sounds like you're trying to say that truth corresponds to reality. I am. I'm actually (laughs) trying to say that.
2: What color is this? Black. 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 I say it's red. Who's right? There is a color for this. You're both right. If I say it's red, orange, white, yellow, I'm wrong. I'm wrong, there is a color. Yeah, well, it could be an opinion, but it's still wrong. It's difficult to think of a more important topic than the nature of truth. Truth is that which agrees with reality. Society no longer cares about truth. Truth is subjective, society says, and it's up to each individual to decide for themselves what is right and wrong. What seems right to one individual may seem wrong to the next. According to this logic, to one person, child pornography is acceptable, but to another, it's a serious offense. So who's right? This is why Jesus said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. The Bible alone is the standard for absolute or objective truth. Many think that if you reject the Bible, you can live however you want. They say, you can follow the Bible if you want, But I don't believe in the Bible, so it's not right for me. That view is held by many, but when taken to its logical conclusion, it proves disastrous. For example, what if I feel that it's right for me to ignore traffic lights? Can it really be right in any sense of the word? Of course not. If something is true because someone thinks it is true, then all sincere statements ever uttered would be true. Even those that weren't correct. If morals are decided by the individual, why not live that way? Why not rob a bank to feed your family or steal a car to get to work on time? Why not base all your decisions on whether or not you think something is right or wrong? Well, that would be ridiculous. Don't be wrong when it comes to the truth that Jesus is the only way to the Father. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which man must be saved.
0: And that's the truth. So there we go. The truth is not relative. Conscience and conviction are proof that truth exists. Romans chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. The apostle Paul writes, and he starts here talking about Gentiles. Gentiles are people who were not Jews. The Jews were the people who God chose to be his people and through whom he uh, uh, passed his law on to the world. We get his law in the Old Testament uh, through the Jewish people. But Paul is writing here about non-Jewish people. He says, even the Gentiles, the non-Jews, who do not have God's written law, show that they know his law when they instinctively obey it even without having heard it. They demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts for their own conscience and thoughts either excuse them or tell them they are doing, or accuse them or tell them they are doing right. Conviction indicates that truth is not relative, despite what the culture might be telling us. The third way that the truth uh, or that that conviction leads us to God's truth is write this down number 3 conviction indicates that we were created in God's image conviction indicates that we were created in God's image what does that mean we were created in God's image it doesn't mean that we necessarily look like God because God can't look like all of us, can he? Um, it, the Bible doesn't indicate that the image of God literally means God has two arms and legs and ten fingers and hair and a, you know all of that kind of stuff. Uh, we don't know for sure what God looks like, but we know what God is like based on Scripture. His mark on us, his image in us, is our moral compass. We get a moral compass, conviction, because that is a little touch of God in us. His thumbprint on us, proving that he made us. We were created in God's image. Genesis 1.27, so God created human beings in his own image, the video that we're using for this series to, to use as a bumper for this series. You get, see this guy working and building this, this weird-looking sculpture, this face. Uh, next time you watch the video, watch what he's making that face out of. It's all old typewriter parts. And he's making that thing, that 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 thing looks human, right? It has the appearance, sort of, of the creator. That, that, that's symbolic. It's metaphorical of what God has done to us. He created us in his Image Moses said about God, he is the rock, his deeds are perfect, everything he does is just and fair, he is a faithful God who does no wrong, how just and upright he is. Moses understood it, the people of Israel understood it, and on some subliminal, instinctive level, we understand it. God is the author of right and wrong because God is the very definition of right and wrong. God is the standard for morality. We were made to know the truth because we were created in his image. Now, here's the huge implication of this, all right? The truth does not only exist. The truth is eternal and unchanging, because God is eternal and unchanging. The truth does not change with cultural whims. The truth does not change based on expectations and what we think. The truth is the truth because God is unchanging. He is truth. And his truth is timeless. His truth is right. His truth is knowable. His truth saves. Psalm 25.5 says this. Lead me by your truth and teach me. For you are the God who saves me. Now remember why we're exploring this series and talking about all this stuff. It's to remember that God exists and that he's with us and that he loves us. That's so important because there's so many times when life beats us up and we wonder if that's the case. A number of years ago, my family and I, we were having significant financial challenges, and I mean, one day I was just broke and dejected and frustrated. And I had a few dollars in my pocket and decided to take the boys, they were little at the time, to take them to 7 Eleven and buy them a small IC because I could get them for like 39 cents a piece. And that was a huge treat because we were just so broke at the time. As we were coming out of 7 Eleven, the kids all happy with their ICs, I was feeling like kind of a failure as a dad and as a provider and all of this kind of stuff. And I looked down and there's a wallet on the ground as i'm walking outside the 7-eleven and i picked it up and looked inside and saw two things a driver's license a driver's license and 500 bucks and i was faced with a moral dilemma now i could have said oh isn't god good he just gave me 500 dollars." I was really torn because we needed that money. And I told my kids, hold on just a second. I walked back into the 7-Eleven. I gave the wallet to the guy behind the counter because I didn't trust myself with it, frankly. I didn't think that I had the right stuff to contact the owner and give him his money back. I might have said, hey, I found your wallet. Sorry, there was no money in it. I'm weak I'm a mess and so I took it in and I told the guy behind the counter about it and I said I hope you will do the right thing because I would imagine that whoever dropped this is going to be coming back pretty soon and did anybody pick up a wallet and I left it with the guy I don't know what he did with it I don't know if the owner ever got their money or not but I do know this a couple of days later somebody pulls up in our front driveway some friends that we haven't seen in a while, and they get out and they hand us a $500 check. They said, we just felt like God wanted you to have this. He proved to me in that dark hour that he was with me and that he loved me. Now, does this mean God's always going to give you 500 bucks? No. It means that when you are facing dilemmas in this life and you do the right thing, you will find God. He is there. You can't explain that as just some weird coincidence. It was the thumbprint of God in my life. What does conviction tell you about God in the middle of your doubts and your discouragement? It tells you that he exists. Morality is proof of an objective creator. It tells you that he is with you. You are in his image. You are his prize creation. He's planted himself inside you. It tells you that he loves you. He's put you uh, into a world with right and wrong boundaries because he cares about you. Just like you cared about your child when your child was two years old and you put boundaries out there for your child. You didn't do it because you hated the kid. You did it because you loved the kid. Now we sometimes act like toddlers. We get all pouty about God's boundaries. We get frustrated about them. We don't like them, but the point is this, we can know that his boundaries are there for our benefit because he loves us and that is the truth about conviction John 8 32 Jesus said and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, let's pray Thanks again for listening to the Invictus Church podcast. Be sure to tune in every week for more new content. We'd like to invite you to join us in person for our weekend worship services. To get more information about our meeting times and location, please visit us online at www.invictus.church. If this or any of our episodes have inspired you to take steps in your relationship with Jesus, please let us know by sending us a note at info at We would love to hear how our message has helped change your life. Also, if our podcast has been meaningful for you and you'd like to give financially to our ministry, you can easily make your contribution online at www.Invictus.Church. give thanks one more time for listening. We hope you'll join us again next week.